Welcome to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Them, Keep Them podcast. Uh, Mark, how are you doing today? It's good to see you. Melissa, I'm doing great. It's Friday. The weather this week has been remarkable. Oh, my God. So I'm fired up about that. Yeah, you know what? I, I came into the office today and found out that there, the AC isn't working yet. Oh. But, I, but I'm just going to say I'm not complaining because I have a 60-degree pool to go clean when I get home. So as far as I'm concerned, I've got the best of both worlds. I'm getting my heat and I'll get my cold and I'm good. Melissa, I got to share with you a very quick story to start our show today. And it really covers, you know, trying to look at a bright side and being positive in crisis and things and so forth. So I went to the store this afternoon to pick up some groceries and my freezer in my basement, I went to put stuff in the freezer and everything had melted that was in the freezer. So I'm like, oh my God, like, did I just, did my freezer just die on me? Am I going to lose all this food? And I panicked. But then like you and I talk about, I took a deep breath and I said, okay, the light's on in the bottom of the freezer. So it still looks like it's working. So what's really going on here? Well, it turns out that the, that little foam coating inside the door had lost its stickiness. So the door had just been open. Okay. So it wouldn't close. So I said, all right, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna press something against the door, confirm that it is that, and I'll check. And so I went down about an hour ago to check and it was, it was working again. But I was like, but, but here's, the, here's the, the moral. The reason why I told the story is because even when I was frustrated and I thought it, was, it had died, I thought to myself, how cool, because even though stuff had melted, I caught it where I still could have salvaged the food. All right. So I looked at it as kind of fortuitous, genuinely. Right. So it's just all how you look at everything, you know? It totally is. Totally is. So I have to just tell you, but before we dive in, one last thing. Yeah. I, I chose my seat today very strategically because I wanted to demonstrate to you that I do listen and I apply what you say. So I have the elephant oh. behind me. If you want to address the elephant in the room, <laughs> right there. Right when you said that, I knew exactly where you were going. That was awesome. That was so great. So great. Love the, other, the other cool part is if I position just right, you like that? That's great. Good luck, too. <laughs> you know what? I, I think on my bucket list, I need to get an elephant in the room painting for my house. I think I got to do that. That's awesome. So uh, awesome. I love good it. Good to have one. Good to have love one. It. Love it. All right, so should we talk about reopening? Yes. Um, so here's the thing. I'm seeing a lot of headlines on reopening and I totally appreciate that they're geared towards logistics and safety. I think that's an obvious uh, emphasis right now, but you know, I kind of wanted to talk with you about this from more of an existential standpoint in the, in the interest of never wasting a good crisis. You know, I'm asking as a business leader and asking business leaders, do you want to reopen your offices as they were, or do you want to go back into something better? Because I feel right now, if you do want to go to something better than before, this is just such a prime opportunity. I mean, Mark, this is your, this is your area. I mean, you're the guru. Um, would you agree that, you know, people having been out of their offices for six or eight weeks, 
would come back in more of a maybe malleable way and and open to change than if they had just been kind of going through the status quo all along yeah you know melissa when you had this idea to talk about this on the show today it's such a such a great idea and i was thinking about it this afternoon before we, we we you know we did the podcast and i thought to myself you know there's something i think that's even before what you're bringing up that needs to be said and that is the frame of mind people are at when they come back to work and you know I think the malle I think you're right about the malleable nature, but I think the challenge is from the business side, if you're in a leadership position, when things reopen and people start to come back and there's just going to be this mindset of, okay, we've got a lot to make up for. We got to catch up. We got to get back to where we were. And there's just going to be a mind frame of playing catch up mm -hmm. where I think the people that are coming back to work are confused. Mm -hmm. are still trying to figure things out. Frankly, they still may have their kids at home. Yeah. I'm sure they still do have their kids at home. Yeah. Who knows for their wife or husband, respectively, what's going on in their world? Who knows their financial situation and how they've suffered mentally, emotionally, financially, so on and so forth. And so that's what's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the show Billions. I don't, have you ever watched that show? No. So there's a staff psychiatrist on, on the show, it's, it's a big wealth management company. Oh. And, uh, and, and I think there's going to be a big need to get, you know, we talk about body language and reading, reading body language. I think we're gonna have to read where people's heads are at, Melissa, because I just think that everybody's not gonna come back ready to go. Mm -hmm. People are gonna come back and feel a little lost and flustered. And what you're talking about and I'll turn it back to you. What you're talking about, which I think is brilliant, is the malleability aspect. And the malleability aspect to me is, um, I think that through the self-reflection, people are gonna look at what they can do better, where they've gone wrong, and I think that they will be more curious and open-minded. That's where I think you're gonna see the malleability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, you know, I was thinking about, you know, like I was saying, never wasting a good crisis. The question for me when I've gone through something individually is how, do, how can I fall forward from this? And it's easy to make a commitment to yourself that you're gonna fall forward somehow, some way. Um, but you know, when you're thinking about that, doing that with an entire team or an entire company, that is, you know, seems to me pretty daunting. How, how do you number one, communicate what that even means or what it looks like? And then um, number two, get the commitment or, or inspire a desire for people to want to do the same. So I think that what you're saying is really valuable because if they are in a position where, you know, thinking more creatively, you know, I think that there's a lot of conversations to be had um, in, in, a, in a way that's very kind of like checking in on where are we now, you know, on a, maybe on a week to week kind of basis. Yeah, and I think Melissa, you know, you you deal with this all the time when you're when you're placing people at companies, and it's it's almost a different kind of alignment. You know, we want alignment on ideas, on strategies, and going forward. But I think when your team comes back together, you've got to get alignment as a leader on where the heads are at of the people on your team. Are people ready to move forward? And I don't mean to paint a negative picture because, frankly, I think there's a lot of people 
are going to be fired up to be back to work and I think are going to want to hit the ground running and be really energized and enthusiastic. As a matter of fact, they'll be so tired of being cooped up in their house that they could come back all guns blazing. You know what I mean? But that's just the point. There's just going to be a mix of where people are at mentally and getting alignment, getting your team together and saying, all right, how's everybody doing? But not just how's everybody doing, literally spending some time with your team, understanding what they're ready for, what they're capable of, and to your point, the malleability level. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think too that, you know, asking the questions, especially coming in fresh from this whole situation, asking the questions of what, what has been positive, like what in reflecting back, what changes do we want to, changes that have been maybe imposed upon us, but now if we really examine them, are there things that we want to maintain that as we go forward and not necessarily just throw everything out from the last two months and say, oh God, thank, thank God that's all over with and we're back to normal now. Like, you know, we keep talking about this new normal and I hate to be cliche, but I think that, you know, asking the question of, you know, what do we not want to go back to doing that we used to do? Well, and I think, I think what's interesting about what you're saying is, you know, in the beginning, I mentioned the whole well, people are gonna come back to work and where's their head at and everything else. But on the flip side, if, if the mindset of leadership is we've got to play catch up, we've got to get moving, then, then, they did, then it wasn't a fall forward, was it? Mm -hmm. Because right. the, the conversation should be, wow, let's, let's re-examine what we were doing. Was it the right direction? Was it the right support? Was it the right guidance? So I, I think it's brilliant, Melissa, but gosh, you know, time is such a precious commodity for people. And to get your head out of a panic mode in business is so hard for so many people to see through the trees and do what you're telling them they should do, which is fall forward and re-examine, was it the right way with the right people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's another great point is, you know, with the right people. I know that, you know, from my personal experience traveling sometimes in it for an extended period, you know, I'll come back from, from a long trip and the decisions that had been looming for months uh, and the processes that we've, you know, been held to for whatever period of time, you know, long time that I probably created myself, I'll look at stuff and say, why, why are we doing it that way? It seems like it makes so much more sense this way, or this decision really isn't that big of a deal. I, you know, you know, one day, got it done. Uh, so, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, coming in kind of fresh. Um, but I think that, you know, what I'm hearing you say that I think is so important is that, you know, it, it, treating this as a starting line and, you know, we're, this is kind of a new, I, I'm thinking of it as like a new beginning, right? So we're not trying to scramble and, you know, do two months worth of work in the first week. And, Cause then I think we just bore ourselves right down into that same hole. Well, Melissa, you, you use the terms, I really like this, you use the term um, unfreezing and refreezing of old habits and habits. Talk about that a little bit, because you really connected with me when I read that. I thought, gee, that's, that's an interesting way to phrase it. So what did you mean by that specifically? Well, Mark, I was reflecting back onto times that I've gone away with teams for offsite trainings. And, you know, the offsite training, you know, by the end of it, if it, you know, we'll maybe say it's two or three days long, 
so we're two or three days in and, and our minds are all open and we're thinking differently. And then, you know, so I, I think of it as, you know, okay, so all of these ideas and all of these habits are unfrozen and things can move around. And then we come back to the office and it's, it's a really critical time because it doesn't take very much time for everything to refreeze again. And, you know, one thing I used to do with my teams is when we would come back, I would totally redo the office. The, all the desks would be moved around. Everybody's sitting in a new area. I would encourage people just, you know, bring in new pictures, you know, move, position your body differently. Just do something so that you're not in that same physical space, because I really feel like that helps to encourage staying in a new mental space. We're not falling back into that old mental space. So that's what I mean by free unfreezing and refreezing is, you know, we go through these exercises sometimes on purpose <laughs> and sometimes uh, because they just happen to us. But I just feel like right now, before everything freezes again, we've got this opportunity that I hope we don't waste. Well, I'll tell you, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that I think would be so incredibly powerful for companies to do in the, in the uh, reopening of these businesses is have a goal setting session. And I know a lot of our listeners might be like rolling their eyes, oh, goals, I know, goals, more goals. However, here's my thought behind it. A lot of companies have goals, but a lot of companies and most companies in my experience don't have their employees come up with their own goals. Mm -hmm. And I think that could be a super empowering activity when they reopen yeah. To have people come up with their own goals, especially in light of all the self-reflection we would hope they've been doing. Mm -hmm. Because I think if, if I was a leader and I had a team of 10 people and I had everyone submit goals and we had a whole discussion around it, that would tell me so much of where people are at, what they've been thinking about, what they aspire to do in their future. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would do it, Melissa, in the frame of I would do short-term goals and long-term goals. So I think that could be a really empowering activity that's kind of a soft, non-pushy, but it's a fun topic and it could get people thinking and stimulating and it would really give leadership an, uh, a bird's eye view of where they're at. I think that's such a fabulous idea, Mark. And, and you know, I'm, I'm also kind of reflecting on my experience setting goals annually with, with my team. And my team would always come up with their own goals for the, for the year. And it was always refreshing because it, it opened the door for a conversation that you wouldn't just bounce in any old day of any week in the year and say, hey, let's sit down and talk about this stuff. Um, and I mean like some really candid stuff because I'm thinking about this whole situation and the recession and just the way that it all affected a lot of people when we went through things in 2009. And I, I would be very interested in hearing from from team members what their reflections are on where they are great point in their life in their career is this the right path and not in a way that's threatening like i want to know if you want to be here because i'm not sure if i want you here it's not that at all it's just no. like if you can have that kind of a candid conversation i think that that we've got a good opportunity to you know help one another move forward in the directions that we really feel compelled to move forward in and not, you know, hang on because inertia <laughs> is, is guiding, is holding us together. Well, and, and I think you're, I think what's interesting about what you're saying is 
it also gives people the opportunity if they haven't taken the adequate time to self-reflect to do that. Yeah. And so, so that's good because some people haven't done it, even though it, there's been an opportunity to. And, you know, it's funny, Melissa. I remember, I mean, I'm 48, but I remember one of the biggest habits I tried to change as a human being, not just as a business owner or a boss or whatever, is I had this mindset of, I just got to get through the day. You know, I've got so much on my plate. Don't ask me about tomorrow. Don't ask me about next week. I just got to get through the day. And it was, it was unnecessary. You know, it wasn't like my life was so hard. Like, how am I going to get through the day? It wasn't like that. But I had convinced myself, I just got to get through the day. So the reason why I share that story is because when you talk about, you know, that, that, aspect of reflecting on where they've been and where they had that is the precursor to the goals conversation and as a matter of fact you can't even have the goals conversation if you don't do that first i mean that has to happen right so and for a lot of people the analogy i'm making is for a lot of people over the last two and a half months for whatever reason they've just been trying to get through the day so forward thinking they're not even they're not even thinking about the future because because there's no control over the future. Right. So I love that. I, I think that is the absolute part one. And look, we want, uh, look, I can only speak, I think I can speak for Melissa in this case. We want people that are passionate about what they do. We want people that have a, feel like they have a sense of purpose. I know that's who we want for our companies. I know those are the kinds of people we like to be around. But you know, if you're, if you're, in a hiring position at a company and you are looking at the new normal of the future, you want to know this information about people because if people are just checking off boxes and getting through the day in the long run, it's not going to pan out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mark, as, as this is kind of coming together, I was just thinking, um, I'm, I'm more than happy to put this together, but I would love to offer a, a question guide to anyone who would be interested in like just the talking points for this kind of a conversation. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cause you know, um, it's, it's, not, it's not always easy if you're not used to having these conversations. It's, it's not easy to go into it. Well, so it, it, oh God, Melissa, you, you're, you're so right. I mean, I, two quick things. One is um, I had a client call me up the other day and, and asked me to do some a virtual training on change management and more so on how leaders can be more empathetic as people are coming back to work. So I said to her, the woman I was speaking to with, I said to her, I said, listen, I can teach people how to do it, but if they haven't done it previously, I'm not so sure it's going to come across authentically. So it's one thing to know how to do it. It's one thing to really invest in doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I was reading a, a quick article, but, uh, Warren Buffett, it was a it was long, really old blog Warren Buffett had written. And it, the blog, Melissa, was about saying, how are you doing? The question, how are you doing? And what he spoke about is it's the worst possible thing you could actually ask someone in a p- professional situation because the typical script of how are you doing is, how are you doing? Good. How are you? And yeah. so his point was, if the conversation automatically replicates the question back instantly, it's not a good question because that's not how normal conversation works. Right. And I thought that was brilliant. Right. 
Yeah. Your question guide, I think is a necessity. And if you do put that together, I'm going to email blast that out to all our followers and clients because a lot of people want to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they care and they're curious, but they don't know what, they don't know what questions to ask because it's so far out of their comfort zone. Yeah. You don't know what to ask. Yeah. So I, I, I just absolutely love that idea. Can you tell? <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. And, uh, you know, what I was just thinking, too, is one a suggestion, you know, well, people could take it or leave it. But um, kind of going back to my point, if you're not used to, to doing this with employees and they're not used to it either, um, one idea uh, that I would throw out there is to um, forward part of a, a questionnaire part I'll do I'll do a two part I'll do one for the manager and one for the manager to also share with an employee if they're so inclined but just to give the employee the heads up of like this is what I want to talk about and I want to give you the chance to put some thought together for the conversation because um, that way you know the employee is kind of coming to the table um, di disarmed kind of understanding what they're talking about and having felt like they've got the chance to really think things through before they're, they're kind of, you know, not blindsided on any questions. So that's another angle that I've, I've taken with, uh, with my team before. Yeah. And, and, and so what's interesting about what you're talking about there is, you know, it can be so awkward, right? So if, if you think of pre COVID times and you didn't really talk to your leader about a lot of personal stuff or they weren't doing monthly coaching sessions or check-ins, and that doesn't mean they're a bad leader. I'm not painting uh, stigmatizing. What I am saying, though, is if all of a sudden you come back to work and the leader's like, oh, Melissa, how are you doing? Is everything going okay? I'm going to be like, huh? You like, what's, me out now. what do you need? <laughs> what's, what's going on? What do you need? You're dying? Like, <laughs> so, so I think that's critical because, you know, one of the things that uh, I speak about with communication intelligence or conversation intelligence is knowing how to broach conversations, yeah. knowing how to like start them off and get them comfortable. And that's what you're talking about. I, that's, that's a science. That's not easy for people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if it's not done well, it can really be <laughs> a, 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 a slippery slope. Well, and Melissa, you know, that's also, that's why I'm such a huge fan of Brene Brown and vulnerability, because to me, one of the ways you do that as a leader is if you work for me and all of a sudden I'm coming out of the blue having this conversation, I start the conversation by kind of maybe sharing what's been going on in my head, what, what, what I've been worried about, thinking about, nervous about, to kind of set the table for, this is okay, I'm talking to you, I'm making myself vulnerable so you can too. Right. So I think that's an important aspect of that. Uh, Mark, I think that's so, so important. And you know, in the employment world, I know there's in the HR circles that I, I um, uh, work within, there's often the, somebody will raise their hand if I talk about you know, having candid conversations and, and being vulnerable like that. And they'll say, well, you, know, you shouldn't be talking with your employee about whether they have childcare or not, or if they have children, or if they plan to have more children, or what, you know, this or that, because you know, they might feel like you're discriminating on some you know, basis. And um, so I'm mindful of those, the things that, you know, we want to not pry, right? But I think that to your point, if you're offering up, you know, the, 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 if you're willing to be vulnerable and kind of offer up what's been challenging for you in your personal life, 
I think then, then, you know, it just sets the stage and the concerns about what you can and can't or should or shouldn't ask, it just kind of dissolves away. So Melissa, I, I, I want to shift gears for a minute because I've been thinking about something for my own company and I'm just curious what your thoughts are for your clients and your company and so on and so forth. Um, in this time of reflection, as we keep talking about, one of the great things I think there is to reflect on are job descriptions. Mm -hmm. Because we, a lot of companies have 10 year old job descriptions that are just kind of, you know, they're, they're re what's the word I'm looking for? Um, recycled, <laughs> yep. repurposed, recycled, whatever. And so, you know, I'm in the process of interviewing and I, and I was looking at a job description I had the other day and it was so outdated. It was <laughs> yeah. so, and so here's my question for you. You know, when you think about when people are trying to attract quality talent, if they are going to look at the job description and go, yeah, I haven't looked at this in a long time. Mm -hmm. What are the things from both sides, right? One from the attraction side of getting someone to look at a job description and be excited and one from selfish internal side, you know, correcting inaccuracies or something like what should companies and me be looking at to, uh, to make sure our job descriptions are the way they should be? Well, one suggestion I can make in bouncing off of the questionnaire that I was mentioning earlier, the, the, the one that I've used with my team um, for our annual goal setting, the very first question is in, review, in reviewing your job description, is there anything new that's not included that you've taken on or is there anything on your job description that you're not involved with? And then, you know, it follows suit into some of the job description stuff. Um, but I think that, you know, treating a job description like a resume in the sense that they say, you know, keep your resume alive. You should be, you know, adding to and, re and, and revising it on a regular basis. I think that it's really important to continually um, look at job descriptions within our organizations on a regular basis. And that's why I built it into our process so I could be sure at least annually we're looking at it. And there's always changes, always. Um, so, you know, I think that the other thing to consider is that things just change. Your process, the technology is changing, the way that the world operates changes so rapidly now, so that, you know, your processes might be impacted much more rapidly than, than ever before, or that, than you might even be realizing. So, um, you know, and Mark, I don't know if I'm answering your question thoroughly um, or in the right way here, but, you know, I, I think that looking at them on a regular basis and um, the other idea that I would, I would have is if there's peers or, you know, coworkers that you feel confident in sharing the job descriptions with and asking them to challenge you on what you've written, so that you can defend it. And I think that's an eye-opening experience. So, you know, in my, in my uh, experience counseling people on job descriptions, I find that they tend to be a laundry list when the manager writes them. Melissa, would you ever, would you ever, has it ever been part of your recommendations or strategies to tailor a job description generationally? So if you knew, if you were handed a job description, Mm -hmm. And let's say the person said to you, 
Okay, the, kind, the target audience we have for this is a millennial, just for the sake of discussion. Would you ever look at a job description and go, well, if it's for a millennial, I may approach it a little differently. Is that, is that part of your thought process and recommendations? I think that essentially, yes. I've never thought about it that way, but I do think of it as a two-way street. So um, oftentimes, you know, I have the uh, basic definition and the framework of what the organization needs, but I also leave some room realizing every individual is different and they're gonna have some special talents and they're also gonna have some particular you know, weaknesses. Um, nobody's perfect, nobody's gonna fit a job description perfectly. Um, so I'm not looking at, you know, I don't expect to get a 10 out of 10 in every category, right? But, um, but I do look at it like, well, where can we be leveraging to capitalize on their strength as much as possible? And also, how does, how does what we're offering in an opportunity appeal and help develop them. So, you know, I'm, I'm asking it from that angle too. Um, so I think that, yeah, massaging, I think what you're kind of getting at is, do you massage the job description um, per the person who may be filling it? And absolutely yes, and from both sides. Well, I will tell you one of the best pieces of advice you've ever given me related to job descriptions on the attraction recruiting side was, when I evaluate candidates and I look at their job description, so I have, you know, I'm making this up to make a point. I have 10 set things I'm looking for and they're all in the job description, right? So then I have an initial phone call with someone and I get off the phone and I used to say, well, geez, I mean, they, don't, they only really have like six of these 10. And what you taught me is people get caught up in, in more like quantity and volume when they're evaluating a candidate as opposed to, of those 10 things, Mark, which five are the ones that are like, they've got to have this skill set, and which five are important, but they're more at a secondary level. Mm -hmm. And now I do look at it very differently, and it's just so easy to have this e equal checklist of, do they do this, do they do this, do they do this, as opposed to, well, what do I really need? What's most important? What can be taught? Mm -hmm. you know, what can be learned? So I, I will say that's one of the best tips I've ever got from you on that. And I think it has totally reframed how I evaluate candidates now because I just feel a lot more organized. I feel like there's a process now. That's great. Thanks for your feedback, Mark. I think I'd add one layer to that then too. And that is especially in the, for the millennial generation because they're so driven to take on new, have new experiences and, and they're more focused, I think, than uh, some other generations on that specifically is that you know besides the must have and and the nice to have or can teach um i would i would throw another category in there as uh, from a retention standpoint and look at what what does the candidate not have that they're going to gain as a result of the experience yeah i love that i love that yeah because retention yeah, and I think, I think it's critical what you're talking about because for the millennial generation, as one of the generations, certainly what skills they're gonna develop, how it fulfills a sense of purpose is such a high criteria for, for them. Whereas if you're a baby boomer, baby boomer, you don't really necessarily care about that. Right, So right. I think that's a great point. I think that's a critical. Um, well, listen, I think before we wrap today, we need to share with our audience that 
we were asked to be on a panel about the new normal. Yes. And we're pretty excited about that. Will you tell our listeners about this opportunity? Yes, so we are talking about the present and the future of work and coming out of the COVID um, uh, or the situation, however you want to, whatever name you want to give it now, um, coming out of this and back into our workforces, you know, looking beyond the immediate term, I think, if I'm saying this, if, if I'm getting what we're talking about accurately here, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think looking at the short term, but also, you know, really extending this out to see what the lasting, um, what the trends are and what we see lasting as changes so that those participating or, or uh, tuning into the panel discussion will be more equipped and better armed to be prepared for that future than if that future arrives and they, you know, meet it on that day. <laughs> Well, yeah, and so if, if you know, uh, it's June 4th at 10 a.m., uh, and uh, you can see details on uh, uh, Franklin Professionals uh, social media, Mindset Go social media. Um, there's a registration link. Uh, June 4th, if you go to the events page on the Mindset Go website, you can register directly, but again, on both our social media accounts, it's there. And uh, we're going to be joined by two uh, other C-suite executives president of uh, international company, Seaman Paper, and uh, Ryan Lickwell and Deanna Zarella, uh, the director of HR at AIS. So I uh, would love to have you along. Yeah, yeah, really looking forward to that one. Yeah. Mark, I think we covered a lot of good ground today. Um, I really appreciate your insights as always, but. Thank you, same here, same here. <laughs> So I hope, uh, I hope you have an awesome long weekend. And I hope you are having a long weekend. I am. I am. Yes. Okay. Yes. Same to you. All right. All right, Melissa. Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Him and Keep Him podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.